Good morning, everyone. Wow. Good morning. Come on. I need to believe that you're not going to fall asleep in the next half an hour. Um, great. Well, as uh, Helen said, my name is Ed. I am part of the leadership team here. It's a team leadership. There's many of us. We have different responsibilities, um, and I am responsible for teaching here. So please, if you ever have any thoughts, comments, please come and talk to me about them. I'd love to hear them. I've been part of this church now for nine of the ten years, which is... Uh, I think quite impressive, personally. Um, I came from a place called Birmingham beforehand. Anyone been to Birmingham? Just try and avoid it. It's, um, yeah. It's not a great place. I feel much happier here in Bradford. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've been in Bradford for nine years. I love this city. I love this church. When I joined this church, I immediately knew that I had found a spiritual home because I could see people loving God and loving people. And uh, as we go in, we explore more of this vision, this vision to build a church that is loving God deeply, loving each other genuinely, and loving our community compassionately. Um, it is something that I am excited to see, as has already been stated today, as something that is a now and a something for the future. You can see the hallmarks of it already, but there is a deeper depth that we can go into. I'm very excited about that. But I think there's a, there's a bit of a reality in some of this stuff, that when we look at these phrases, loving God deeply, loving each other um, genuinely, and loving our community compassionately, I think God could keep us in just one of those phrases for the entire existence of this church, and yet he calls us to step into each one of those. He calls us to push into all three. But I think the thing I really love about this vision, I'm going to tell you why I really love, and it's that it puts the focus in the right place. It's not about the work of our hands or the work of this community together. It's about God, about loving God and loving what he loves. And that, for me, is the most important thing. This vision isn't about numbers. It isn't about a building. It isn't about a location. Because I'll tell you why it's not about those things. Because that's empire. It's empire building and making the name of this church great. But actually, this vision is about a movement. And it's a movement of people towards God. And it's a movement of people towards people. And that is the hallmark of God's kingdom. That's the hallmark of God's kingdom on the earth. And that is why I'm excited about the Light Church being a church that is loving God deeply, loving each other genuinely, and loving our community compassionately. And so this morning, I want to step into that. I'm excited to step into this whole idea of loving each other genuinely. And Helen read for us uh, Jesus' prayer, and I just want to, uh, to look at that again very quickly. Um, what Jesus said in John 17, 21, which was, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus is having a conversation with his Father in the Spirit. And... There is a pattern in this that we need to follow if we are to love each other genuinely. And that is to be one. That is what Jesus is saying there, is to be one just as Jesus and the Father are one. 
So what does that look like? It looks like the Trinity. And I appreciate that the concept of the Trinity can be a really complex one and it can be a really confusing one. But I believe in a God who is both complex and simple who is both simple and complex, that you can make things that are confusing very simple for us to understand. And we can learn really simple truths without ever needing to go into the depth of the complexity. So this morning, I want us to touch very quickly on the Trinity. And put simply, the word Trinity is a word used to express the Christian God. One God experienced in three persons. This is the complex part. How can one being be three at the same time and still yet one? But the simpler part of it is that what God is teaching us is a deep truth that God lives in relationship. Okay? That's what I want to touch on this morning is that God lives in relationship. And I want to be clear that Our God is not a God who expresses himself in three manifestations, three different um, sort of elements or expressions. He is God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. Now, as I say, that can be hard to grasp. And I'm not going to spend loads of time going to the theology behind it because, trust me, that would take a lot longer than we have time to look at this morning. But that said, we can learn some deep truth from this. Because if God is not three persons, then it messes up our theology. Okay? It messes up our theology a little bit. Because what it tells us is that God didn't create out of need. When we look at this whole idea of God being three persons, he exists in relationship, the whole time in relationship. But if God had a need to be able to express love in creation, then we're missing a piece here. God created when he was already in relationship. The relationship of the Father, the relationship of the Son, and the relationship of the Holy Spirit. But if he is not God in three persons, then he has no way of expressing it outside of creating us, outside of creating a being. So in this Trinitarian view... We need to see a God who exists in relationship. His very nature is relationship. That is what the Trinity is saying to us, that God is relationship from the very beginning. And if you truly believe that God is love, then you need to believe in the Trinitarian view of God. You need to believe that God demonstrates the purest of love. And since God has existed in love since before time began, then we have to see him as God in three persons. Alongside this view of one God in three persons, we see God as a whole there, because God is complete. And that is something really important that we have to grasp. That God didn't create out of need. Okay, God didn't create you out of need. God didn't need to create you to be able to express his love. God already was love. But God chose to create you. He created you, he created me, he created us out of desire to be able to express something like that. And as God expresses that desire by creating us, he invites us into that eternal relationship that has been going on before the dawn of time. 
So as we see in John 17, pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. The Father is in me, I am in you, that they may be in us. We are being invited into that relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that has existed before time began. And we see, this, uh, we see this relationship at key points throughout history. In creation, we see God the Father, the Creator, creating the heavens and the earth. We see the Spirit hovering over the water. And then we hear God speaking, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, speaking the, word, the world into motion. We see the Trinity at key moments in Jesus' life. At the baptism of Jesus Christ, the one being baptized, we see the Holy Spirit descending as a dove onto Jesus. We see the Father saying, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. We see Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross. The Spirit that he gives up and the Father, the one that he cries out to there. The Trinity exists and it is in every key moment where this world is changed. And the, the Trinity must be in every key moment of our lives if we're to believe that this world can be changed too. So I want to encourage you this morning to be thinking about this whole idea of God, our Creator, being one. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so the world will believe that you have sent me. We are to be one as God is one. They acted as one as a, as a, as a being. They acted as one in the sacrificial action of salvation on the cross. They made a combined effort to save mankind and restore broken relationships, even if it meant separation for the first time in history. A collective decision to put humanity back in right relationship with God, declaring that salvation comes through Christ alone and not through works. So we are to be one just as God is one. Last year we, um, we studied the book of Philippians and looked in there at relationships. And what I'd like us to do to really try and unpack some of this stuff today is to look at um, Philippians 2, 1 to 11 again. Because I think there's something really important there of seeing and looking at the image of the invisible God made visible in Jesus Christ in, through the eyes of the writer Paul in Philippians because it demonstrates that physical presence of Jesus on the earth and how he loved those around him but also loved his Father in heaven and loved the Holy Spirit as well. That one God calling us into that divine relationship, that divine being. So, Philippians 2 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... United with Christ, again, coming up there. If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, by having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. So it's the opening part of really understanding what relationship with God and with other people looks like. 
having the same mind, creating a mental harmony, an agreement in our minds, sharing the same love, an emotional harmony for one another, an emotional calling and an emotional reaching out to those around us, having a unity of purpose, a directional harmony. As we talk about our vision, having that directional harmony that we're all heading in that same direction and a same spirit, a spiritual harmony that we're all connecting with God's spirit in the same way. And Paul goes on to give more explanation. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. And don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So if we are to love each other genuinely, the first thing that we need to do is tackle our pride. Pride is generally considered the root of every other sin. And so we've got to start there. And what pride really means is, is thinking that my needs are more important than others. As a church, we want to be a church where we prefer the needs of others first. So as we think about this idea of loving each other genuinely, are we really thinking about each other's needs first? Or are we thinking about my needs and what I can get out of this? If you're coming to church with a what I can get out of this kind of story, this, this is going to be a very difficult place for you to get on. Because as a church, we're a church that prefers each other's needs and each other above ourselves, tackling our pride together. If we're to love each other genuinely, then we must develop humility. Humility as a concept is this idea of not thinking about uh, yourself um, and thinking about yourself less rather than thinking less of yourself. So thinking about yourself less rather than thinking less about yourself. That's a uh, quote from C.S. Lewis, I believe. And um, the whole idea of humility is that we're not there putting each other down or putting even ourselves down. We don't want to be a church which walks around and says, well, we're no good at this and we're no good at that. And we, we put ourselves down. But we want to be a church that thinks about each other more. We think about each other's needs and we think about how we can help and how we can serve each other more. Rather than just walking around going, oh, woe is me, for I am not good enough. We are made in the image of Christ. Walking around saying that you're no good at stuff does Christ a disservice because you're made in his image. Think about yourself less, not less about yourself. Let's be a church that makes people feel great because we think about people um, rather than ourselves. And one of the great things about humility is that God makes more promises about that than anything else except for one thing, which is generosity. And hopefully you'll be aware as a church that we are a church with a real heart of generosity as well. So as we think about being a church with a real heart of generosity, the next one is humility. And you know these promises he makes, he says, I will give you my presence. God says he gives his presence to those who are humble. He says he gives his power, he gives his peace, he gives prosperity, and he gives honor. There is not one thing on that list that I do not want in this church. 
There is not one thing there that I do not want in this church. I want us to be a church that has God's presence in it. I want us to be a church that experiences God's power, that lives out God's power and takes that into our community and into every single relationship. I want us to be a church that walks in peace. I want us to be a church that is prosperous, maybe not financially, but prosperous in the ways of the kingdom and in the values of the kingdom. I want us to be a church that honors each other and that honors God. That's the kind of church I want to be. And if we are to stand any chance of achieving any of those things, we've got to be humble. Humble ourselves before God. Humble ourselves before each other. That is the pathway towards loving each other genuinely. Humility. And to love each other genuinely, we need to lift up our gaze from our own world and pay attention to those around us. If we're not looking out to those around us and being interested in them, then we're not loving each other genuinely. Let's take an interest in each other. That's what love is. Listening to what other people have to say. Listening intently. Asking questions. Finding out about life. Let's go beyond the superficial questions of, hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, we're all British. We know how it works. We know the phrases, don't we? Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Let's try something else. Hi, how are you? You know what? Life sucks. I've had a bad week. Press through that pain barrier, as John talked about earlier, and really seek to find out how people are. You know what? You don't have to have had a bad week. You might have had an awesome week. Let's talk about it, and let's give glory to God. Because if we just say we're fine, it diminishes an opportunity for God to move. Because if it's been a great week, then praise God. And if it's been a bad week, then let's seek God for it together as a church openness, honesty, and a genuine heart to seek God for each other in their struggles and in our struggles. So let's be interested in people. Let's chat to people at coffee. Don't rush off at the end. Stick around. I want the, uh, the duty staff member at the end to be kicking us all out. Um, that kind of thing. Join a light group. Be interested in other people in this church. And then finally... That's what it says in Philippians. We move on from uh, sections one and two into uh, the next bit. We need to have the same attitude as Jesus had. And this is what it says. He said, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. How awesome is that? Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We need to have the same attitude as Jesus Christ if we are to love each other genuinely. Jesus didn't demand his rights. Didn't demand his rights. He didn't say, right, well, you know what? I'm on a six-figure salary. I've got everything that I need. And I, you know what? I need you to bring me a drink over here. You know, 
fetch me a coffee because I'm, I'm important. He didn't cling to his rights. He took on the nature of a servant. He stepped out and he did stuff for other people. He reached into their lives, into the mess, into the pain, the hurt, and the heartbreak. You know what? The pain and the hurt and the heartbreak isn't just outside these four walls. It's inside here as well. So let's serve one another if we are to love each other genuinely. And Jesus did what was right even when it was painful. Going to the cross was not an easy thing. A criminal's death to restore a relationship, a right relationship with us and God. He did what was right even when it was painful. As a church, we need to be a church that steps into that, to do what is right even when it is painful because that is the attitude and that is the mind of Christ. And so for us to really love each other genuinely, let's be a church that tackles our own pride. Let's root out every bit of pride inside each one of us because pride will lead to bitterness. It will lead to elevating ourselves over other people and it will stop us from loving. Let's be a church that is humble in heart. Let us not think about ourselves as a less person, but let's think about ourselves less. Let us pay attention to one another and let us be more like Jesus in our approach to one another. So as we seek as a church to build a church that is loving God deeply, loving each other genuinely, and loving our community compassionately, let's stop, let's pause, and let's really understand the reality of this divine relationship that we are being called into. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been in relationship with one, and one another since before time began. And in Jesus Christ, and in Jesus Christ, we are called into that to be one as they are one. We are called to be one with each other, and we are called to be one with God. And that is a deep challenge but it's an exciting challenge for us as a church to step into loving each other genuinely. I'm going to hand you back to Helen.